Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. We're in this joy series here. And, uh, and this is the big idea. Uh, we live in a culture where I believe we see cynicism as dominant. We live in a culture where it's easy to be uh, a bit critical. And as I was praying about Christmas and this season for our church, I just uh, sensed from the Holy Spirit like one of the things that we need to embody more than anybody in the world is true joy. And so our joy needs to be stronger than the cynicism of the culture. Our joy needs to be stronger than the darkness that's around us and the apathy. And I think that when we read about the joy that Jesus brings, it's got to be alive. And it's easy for us to live with it being a theory, having it lie dormant. And I just wanted to just like a battering ram, take three weeks and say, let's be a people of joy. Let's be a people of joy. Let's be a people of joy. So this is week two of joy, everybody. So you may have come in sad, but you're going to go out happy. All right. And so, uh, let's go to Luke chapter two, the famous text, uh, famous Christmas text. Let's read it together. And then we'll pray and then we'll go after this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause, say cause. No, no, say cause like you mean it, cause. There it is, that will cause great joy for all the people. So this includes me, this includes you. Great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So, hey, great, good, big, excellent news for you. And this will cause great joy to you. And so our hope is that this comes alive in us and that as a result of the knowledge of Jesus, as a result, of what Jesus did, Jesus born, the Messiah, the Savior, the good news of the gospel, that we would be a people that really our lives demonstrate that that is good news and that's changed us. And I wanna highlight Psalm 37 today. We're gonna go into this a little bit. Psalm 37, David gives us a little bit about delight. We're actually gonna go into Psalm 36 as well, where he gives us a little more on delight. And I wanna highlight just this prayer life of David because we see some great theology in it. It says this, take delight in the Lord. Psalm 37, four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's pray together. We're gonna go after these desires. We're gonna go after joy this morning. Father, we love you. We ask Lord Jesus that the great joy of Jesus coming, the incarnation, Christmas, we pray that we as a church would embody great joy. We ask Lord Jesus that it would not get old. In good days and hard days, mountaintops and valleys, God, we ask that we would be a people that are filled with supernatural joy. So more than we're just committed to living well or being moral people, there is supernatural activity that's taken place in our life that gives us supernatural joy. So we ask for a work of God inside of us. We love you. We honor you. And Radiant said, amen. amen. So over Thanksgiving, uh, I was sitting with my kids uh, around a table asking them, uh, 
and we're playing a game and, and I just said, I want you to tell me the smaller joys in life. Like this is a moment, they've got a preacher for a dad, so they have to endure all kinds of Bible conversation and pretend like they like it and smile big. But this one I said, I just want you to just tell me what are the things that are the, the little joys in life? Like just little tiny joys that make you happy. And one of them said hot chocolate. Hot chocolate brings joy. Another one said matching socks. That's hard to find. And matching socks brings some joy in my life. And it was actually a really easy game uh, because there's so many things to set your delight on. There's actually a whole lot of things. It's actually really easy to start talking about what you delight in. And David here, when when he gives this take delight or delight yourself, take delight in the Lord, it's a very easy thing to take delight. In fact, all of us take delight. There are, we all could just name things that we take delight in. We could take delight in sports teams. We can take delight in clothes. We could take delight in our nation. We can take delight in lots of different things. That's easy. The big challenge is, is that kind of prepositional phrase right there, take delight in the Lord, take delight in God. And what I want to talk about today is you and I growing in our joy, our delight, our religious affection, our enjoyment of the Lord, taking delight in the Lord. How? How do we get to where we, where we delight in God, where it's like, this is my joy. I take delight in the Lord. You have the desire and the ability, and it comes quite easy to take delight in something, but taking delight in the Lord, how can we grow in that? Friday night, Renata and I were at um, my son Dawson's choir uh, uh, show. Not a good word. Concert. There you go. And, uh, and so uh, he did a great job. And then we're standing in the lobby and we're talking to this family, just getting to know them. They were about our age um, and they both had four kids. And so we just ended up talking in the lobby. And, and then uh, I, I, my kids were out kind of walking around and I wanted these people that Renata and I had just met in the lobby to meet my children. And so I, I started calling them over and I wanted them to meet them. And then I found myself talking on and on about my kids, right? In fact, at one moment, I found myself actually acting out a story about Adeline. And I was telling these people all this content about my kids. And I remember being a kid when my parents would do that. And I loathed it. Like I was like, dad, they don't care. Just stop talking about us. Like just no, right? Like these people don't care. But if you get down to why was I going on and on about my kids, it was not for their information. It was out of my joy right? So at the core, I wasn't like showing off my kids because I really thought that the new people that I met really needed to know the information about my kids. No, that's really not it. You guys are like, this is what we experience every Sunday during the sermons. Yes, it is. All right. (laughs) At the root, at the root, it wasn't information. It wasn't what they're getting by the content that I'm bringing. It's the joy that I'm experiencing by just throwing another log on the fire and telling another story about Addie. Just saying, look at this boy right here. Yeah, he's tall, just like his dad. I mean, wow, like God, God does miracles, miracle worker. Like, mm, look at my boy, right? Like, it's delight. It's this joy. It's this overflow of excitement and delight, taking delight in my kids, right? Here's what I want you to see. You have a father that takes great delight in you. You have a father that has joy over you. You have a father who just 
enjoys you. And number one, secret to starting to grow and delighting in the Lord is believing at your core that there is a God who looks at you and goes, mm, I want to tell you the story about her. I want to tell you the story. about. I, love, I am so excited about what, about, about this person, about the, the life, the transformative work of God in their lives. You've got a father that takes joy. You've got a father that takes delight in you. And we see this multiple times in the scriptures. I mean, there, he's got delight in you. And the way that Jesus talks is he prays that we would understand his delight over us. And Jesus says it like his delight or his love over him, over the father, over the son. One of the, one of the most glorious moments in the scriptures when we read the baptism event in Matthew chapter three, where the father is so delighted in the son that he audibly declares, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, whom I take pleasure. It's delight. I mean, you think talking in the lobby about your kids, you, how about interrupting human history with an audible voice? What's up? I love my son, right? I want everybody to know, hey, I, I delight, I've got, I, I have find pleasure. This is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. And the father takes delight. He takes joy in his son. And we actually read, we read, it says in Zephaniah 317, it says that he sings over you. So he takes great delight in you. And then it says, and he rejoices over you with singing. <laughs> so he takes great delight. God takes great delight over his people and rejoices, it's an intriguing verse, and rejoices over them with singing. So if you can try to picture what God is like, sometimes it's easy for us to only picture God as distant or angry or frustrated with us. But imagine here, we've got this idea, this picture created about a God who sings over you and rejoices over you. Like, that's amazing. And if you've got that picture, it is a secret into, a pathway into actually delighting in him back. When you see a God that rejoices and sings, and delights over you, kind of interesting idea. We don't usually think of God as singing, but it's this language this, about trying to see this is the demeanor. This is the heart of God. He's this God who takes delight. He's, he is the God that when he's going to declare over his son how he feels, it is pleasure. He is, he is one that rejoices and sings. I'm telling you, if you get this and you can see a God that is delighting, enjoying, possesses, rejoicing in his heart, it will be a, a step. It'll, be a, it'll move your heart towards it, delighting in the Lord. It'll move your heart into rejoicing in him. I was thinking about um, when it comes to my own delight and my kids and God's delight in us and my, my own parents' delight. Like my mom, um, my mom used to write a song over each one of her kids. And so she would take the lyrics of an existing song and then she would put, she would put words. And when we would get in the car, she would sing a song about David. She would sing a song about Dana. She would sing a song about Deborah and she would sing a song about Dan. And so as I was meditating on this idea, uh, in, in Zephaniah 3, I was thinking about my own mom who possessed such joy, such delight that she wrote songs about her kids. I was thinking about the idea that it's possible. If you have this God that delights in you and rejoices over you, 
And actually, in Psalms, it says, Psalm 139, the idea is that he has thoughts towards you that outnumber the sands of the sea. That's the way that the psalmist says it there. It's such delight that, and of course, he's using this picture about it's infinite. It's this God that has so much delight over you that he has, his thoughts towards me are more than the sands and the sea. Or Jesus, Jesus in Luke 12, he even goes on to communicate about that the numbers on your, on your, the hairs on your head are numbered. It's the idea that he cares about the details of your life. And so Jesus wants to communicate it that way. And, and if that be true, just imagine the idea if my earthly mom can, can, can write a song just, just the potential content. My sister Dana Candler in her book, Deep Unto Deep, she wrote the idea that if God, if God has infinite love and God has that infinite love over us and he's one who rejoices over us in singing, it, then, then you could think of it as he's got his own song over you. Like he's got a song. Like, and the idea is, it's not necessarily that it's the specific song. It's about the overflow, the, the, the excitement in his heart that is not just a generalized love. There is a specific delight and love over you. He has a capacity to love that's more, more than you can imagine. And so he, it's, like, it's like, what is the song that he sings over Nathan? What is the song that he sings? Why? What, what's the song that he sings over you? Why? Because he's got that infinite love. He's, he's, he's rejoicing. It is in the scripture, he's rejoicing over you with singing. And when you start to go, I see a, a, a father, a God that enjoys, that rejoices over me, that delights, it is a pathway. It's a, it's a gateway into starting to go, well, if you, if you delight in me, I, I, I delight in you. I, I, I delight in the Lord. I delight in the one who created me. I delight in the one who has redeemed me. I delight in the one that has saved me and I'm gonna spend forever with. And when I was a little kid and my mom wrote those songs, I thought it was cool. When I was a teenager, I thought it was awkward. Now that I'm an old man, I think it's cool again. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see God rejoicing over you a million times more than an earthly parent could ever love is a father and he's, he's delighting. He's, he's yelling, he's singing, he's, he's got love for you. And when you could see that and you can even see about even the eternity where this is all going and you read about heaven and we read about future rejoicing. We read about the wedding supper of the lamb. It's a wedding. When we read about the idea of, of, of creatures crying holy and there's music, when you think about eternity, there is this celebratory factor. There is this joy that exists. In fact, when, when Jesus is talking, about the future and he, and he, and he sit, looks to the servant who's been faithful and he's illustrating it. He says, enter into the joy of your master. So it's not, it, 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 your faithfulness, enter into what, what's gonna go on forever. What is, what's a characteristic that describes and that your master and it's this joy, enter into the joy, this delight. That's where I want you to just kind of rephrase and begin to think about this delight that exists inside of him. This, this delight, Jesus prays that you would have his joy. He's the one who has relationship with his father. And Matthew 15, nine, he says this, it says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you, now remain in my love. 
If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands remain in his love. And then the famous little verse right here says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So Jesus says, I've told you about the love of the Father so that, I want you to get this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I want you to understand that. He is the one that declared audibly that he loved him in the baptism. He is the one that, Jesus, eternity backwards, hanging out with his father. He is the one that Genesis 1, we read about creation. I mean, he's got relationship with his father and he's saying, I want you to know that he loves you like that. I want you to obey like I've obeyed. And then he says, and I've told you this, why? And here's the next piece of logic in loves you, obey, and you can enter into my joy. Because Jesus is saying at this very center, I've got a joy that I'm inviting you into. The very joy that he has, he wants you to get in on. So back to delighting, back to the psalmist. I want you to see this. Psalm 36, this is a fun one. It says this, because David says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of his, of his heart, desires of your heart. It's delight yourself in God. But then look at this Psalm 36 idea. He says, he's talking about people of God here. And he says, they feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. Yeah, I, got, I like that woo right there. That's good. Here, here's, what, here's what I want you to get. I want, you, I, I, wanna, I want to use this metaphor. I want, you to use, I, want, I want you to just see this picture as he's trying to express what we have available to us. And he uses this idea, you give them drink from your river of delights. In other words, <clears throat> there is pleasure, joy, delight available that to those that will take of it, that will... Uh, James 4 says, draw near. It's, uh, there's an, it, it's this idea that if they'll enter into what is available to them to drink deep of it. And, and I want us to think about drinking of the river of delights. To Think about all that I've just said about God's heart for you, God's love for you. God's love for, begins with his love for his son and what's available to all of that is like a feast. All of that is like the abundance of his house. All that is like beginning to drink deep of the goodness of God. It's this, it's, I said this a few weeks ago, but it's like, for me, I've been listening to the same song every day for a couple months now. I have lived in the goodness of God. It's trying to feast on the abundance of the house. It's, it's trying to drink deep in a culture filled mostly by much apathy, much cynicism, much mockery. We look for a reason to be bugged. People that seem joyful, we try to beat the joy out of them and say, hey, you'll never amount to, it's not as good. There's problems. All that kind of is all around us. And so trying to possess a supernatural joy, one of the first steps is living in this, I'm gonna know God, I'm gonna know what he says, who he, what he, about me, what, what, kind of, what, what kind of God he is, and it's like shrieking of his river of delights. And this is what Paul did, Philippians 1, where he's like talking about how he can rejoice in suffering. It doesn't matter necessarily about what I'm going through. I'm, 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 living, I'm drinking from a different well or I'm drinking from the river of delights. I'm feasting upon the abundance of his house. And so yes, there's difficult circumstance going all around me. There might be cynicism, but I've got supernatural joy because I'm with him because I'm walking with him, because I know him, because God's done supernatural work inside of me. I, he loves me and I'm obedient to him and, I, and I'm drinking of it. And so, and so I, I'm tasting of it and there's a contentment because of this, this reality of who God is. And the cynicism comes in, oh, come on, come on, come back to earth. Don't live up there. Don't have pie in the sky, dreamy thoughts. No, no, no. 
those thoughts about the excellency, how great God is, God's love for you, that is what is eternal. That's actually what's gonna fuel you in your darkest time. In 2008, Renata and I, um, we drove our kids from Colorado Springs uh, to Gulf Shores, Alabama for our vacation. And so uh, we had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a four-year-old, and we decided to drive, I think it's about 23 hours uh, from Colorado Springs uh, in our old minivan. And, uh, and as we got into like hot Alabama, um, uh, my, my one-year-old, little, little blonde-haired, little, little Addie Grace, she, she started to just kind of like break down. Like it was kind of like, I'm done. Uh, she had toddler siblings that were, uh, you know, amazing, but right next to her, it was extremely hot. Um, she was done. We had, she had watched every show we had and uh, she was just, she was just done. She's a little one-year-old and she's just done. And um, we pulled over, did the Sonic two to four half price drinks at Sonic. And uh, I got Route 44 vanilla Coke, don't judge. And um, I'm like, I'm gonna make it through. I was about 30 or so. And uh, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get my family to the beach. We're gonna get there no matter what. And Adi, Adel, Adeline is struggling. She's not making it. And, um, and I look at Renata. And Renata, about 2010, got really strict on our, our nutrition. But 2008 was still the good life. And she was not quite, <laughs> sorry, a little window into my soul. Um, she, she was not quite there yet at 30 like she was by 33. And, and so I, 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 I took this, 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 and I don't know, I don't know there's a lot of parenting judgment here, but I took this Route 44 and in my attempt to get Addie to stop crying as I'm in the heart of Sweet Home Alabama and it's 95 degrees, I just took the Route 44 and I just put it into the lap of a one-year-old baby girl. <laughs> and she took this Route 44 and she just, tr- put, she held it like this. And all of a sudden, her crying stopped. All of a sudden, her whining stopped. All of a sudden, her sister and brother were not bugging her. She, as long as she had, and she did not hold it, she held it. And then when I tried to reach for her back, she gave me the look of death. And I tried to pull and she did held tighter. And for the rest of the trip, she hugged and she smiled. For the rest of the trip, she just held it right here. And she would, go, she would, and then she'd come up again. And she had been extremely bugged by the wind. She no longer cared about the wind. She had been formally done with the videos. Now the videos were fine. She before had been crying and she was done. And now she was the most content, happy, joyful, delighted child you've ever seen. And it was because she had that Route 44 right there. And she would just drink of its river of delight. It's a good Sunday. Here's what I want you to get. I want you to get that in the midst of your circumstance, I want you to get in the midst of these songs are not theory. This is I'm raising my hallelujah. Why? Because he is good and he rejoices over me and he sings over me. Sephaniah 3, 17, he does delight in me because John 15, 9 really is true that he loves me like he loves his son. And I, and I have actual ability to tap into the actual joy of the second person of the Trinity by virtue of walking relationship with God. And I have a supernatural joy. It's not just a, a moral commitment to be good. It's not just a moral happiness. No, no. I've got, there's a supernatural experience that's taking place inside of me. The Holy 
Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of me in the very character and the nature of God. I'm an image bearer of the ever happy God. I'm an image bearer of the, of the God who possesses, the God that rejoices. I, 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 he's taken up residency inside of me. And so in the midst of my circumstance, there's all kinds of horrible things going on all around me, but I am like a content child. I've got, I, I'm just, I'm drinking deep of God. And I just want you today in the midst of whatever you're walking through to know, it is the perpetual challenge to not allow outward circumstance to dictate how you live your life. But for the Christian, it is we have this deep-rooted understanding of who we are in God. And our joy comes not from our circumstance. Our joy comes from our relationship. And because our joy comes from our relationship, we've got this deep roots. And we find ourselves creating disciplines, ways, whatever we can to drink deep of this. I'm gonna drink deep. And so we're not committed to Bible study for the sake of Bible study. We're committed to this relationship. And so the Bible is this wellspring where I've got the word of God and I can hear what God is saying to me. We're not committed to fasting because we're just disciplinary religious people. No, we wanna open up our heart and begin every 21 days uh, in January. I just say, we wanna fast and seek God. We don't gather on Wednesday nights because we're just trying to be good people. No, no, no. We are desperate to enter into the river of his delights and we find more delight from that than trying to get, uh, if I could just get my sisters quiet, if I could just get the right music, if I could just be done with Veggie Tales and move on to Scooby-Doo, if I could, and that's what our culture does. But the Christian is just, I've, I've tasted and seen that he is good. I'm, I'm drinking from a supernatural well. I'm finding my delight in a different place. Therefore, the way that I see my life is different. The way, the reason why I give, the reason why I serve, the reason why I lay my life down, I, I, I find pleasure in a different way. And so I'm, I'm, I, I, I think about our culture and our call to reach our culture. And our culture wants delight. Our culture wants pleasure. And the best way that we'll be able to be a light is if we possess a greater pleasure, a greater joy, a greater delight in God than they could ever find in the world. If they could see inside of you that... Why do you have this contentment? Why do you have this joy? Why is it that these things that everybody else is dying to have, you're, you, 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 they could come and go. You've got, you've got God. You've got the life of God in you. And, and, and people who don't know Jesus, their lives are gonna look like roller coasters because, because they go through the good days and the bad days and they define the definition on if they're okay based upon good and bad days, based upon circumstance. But for you, you're drinking of the river of his delights. And, 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 and just like Paul in Philippians 1, you, you, you've learned to rejoice in good days or bad days. And so you're, you're constant, you're steady, you're consistent. Another vacation. I, I think it must be the end of the year. I'm talking about vacation so much. But 2010, we decided we were not going to try to make it all the way to Alabama. We're just going to settle to stay in Colorado. So we took our kids to Durango, Colorado. We decided we were going to be the mountain vacation people. Happened once. And uh, <laughs> now we go back. It's either. Anyway. And, uh, and so Justice had just been born. And, um, and uh, we didn't want to go on a hike because Justice was such a new baby. I was trying to do the hike thing when I was like, let's not do a hike. But I wanted to do some kind of adventure thing. And so we decided to uh, drive uh, to this hidden lake. Uh, and so we took this small, what started off as a dirt road. We're in Durango, Colorado. And um, before too long, the road disappeared, but we had so many trees that we didn't know how to turn around. And when you look at the GPS, it just said that we were in the middle of the wilderness and there was no roads. And in that moment, um, 
it was easy to cease to be joyful. I mean, in that moment, it, was, it, it, it got a little bit tense. And, uh, and when we would look for a place, um, to, to, we were looking for a place to turn around. We were looking for how to get back. We didn't know where we were. And suddenly we would see, we'd have moments where we think we were gonna be back on track and we'd be high and then we'd realize we had no idea where we were and we'd be lost. And, and is, there, is this really happening where David's driving his little tiny children out in the middle of the Colorado wilderness with no roads? Yes, that was really happening. And, and so it was, it was up moments and then it was down moments. And, and, and the reason why we were up and down was because we had no idea where we were. We had no understanding of, <laughs> of how to get back. We made it, I'm not dead. Uh, <laughs> But if I drive around Kansas City, South Kansas City with my kids right now, I, I don't need, I, I, it's not up and down. I know, I know where we are. I can, I can drive up and down 135th or Antioch and know right where I am. And it's not up and down. Why? I, I know where I'm at. Listen, you know the truth of Jesus Christ. You know where you're at. We, we, we've got people all around us. It, it, everything good looks like great. Everything bad looks like down. One of the best ways that you demonstrate the life of Jesus, where they're hungry for what you possess, is if you've got this, I, 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 I rejoice in all circumstance. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not the roller coaster. I'm, I'm all right. I've, I'm, I'm drinking deep from Jesus. It's what I have, and I'm okay. I just want to give you this, because in my opinion, if, when we think about the angel, they light up the sky, Luke 2, that, that's gonna, Jesus coming, it's going to cause great joy. One of the people that I think or the person that I think we could see as a follower of Jesus that identifies joy unspeakable, joy in all circumstance is Paul. And I want you to see, he gives us a lot on this in Philippians. But in Philippians one, he gives us this window of rejoicing. Listen to this. It says, yes, this, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And then the famous phrase, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I, depart, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is necessary for me that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy. So I continue to jo rejoice. I will stay on for your joy, for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Well, here's Paul. And the angel of the Lord says, Jesus' birth as a result of Christ that caused great joy. And when I think about what does that mean? God, how can we as a church live that out? This picture that Paul creates, that he lives out in Philippians is this, Statement, it's not a death wish. He's not saying, uh, I'm, I wish I wasn't alive. He's saying this, I so enjoy my calling to reach and build the church. And he was obviously the best church planner that's ever lived. And I so enjoy and so love Jesus and so want to be with him, which is better by far, but for your sake. And he says, he's finding this great joy. I'm torn between the two. He rejoices in this suffering and he's saying, for me to live is Christ. 
And I want you to hear that. Because you want to get to where you have great joy? That confession alone is everything. You get that, you'll rejoice in all circumstance. To live as Christ. Culture says, you, you could, you could kind of drill down deep and get where somebody's kind of sucking their life from, sucking their joy from, right? They're drinking from joy from somewhere. Usually there's, usually there's something. You spend, a, uh, you spend a few days with somebody and you could start to give, uh, to, to, to live is, for some is fun. Like, man, if I can just have a good time, we can just go down singing, all right. Some people go, no, no, to live is I wanna be, I, I wanna have some power. To live is power, to live is wealth. To live, the, the number one thing that the next generation wants is fame. Just be ready, parents. Here's what we're dealing with. To live is popular. If I could just be popular, if I could just have people know me, to live is popularity. Some it's a good thing. Some it's, well, to live is family. And let's just get a little bit of Jesus on the side. But ultimately, I'm gonna use that as my fuel to get what I really care about most is family. Nothing wrong with family unless it's the number one thing in your life. To live is one thing. You get this, to live is Christ. You get to live as Christ. You will be surprised how you can go through difficult circumstance and possess joy. But if at your core to live is wealth, to live is popularity, to live is comfort, to live is family, to live is a free country, to live is you know, all these other things, it, 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 any, any of them can mess with your joy. But you lock in with, you know, I'm gonna be drinking from the river of delights for the next trillion years. <laughs> That's what lasts forever. I wanna, uh, to live is great. Because if you look at the Christmas story, the essence of the Christmas story is Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. It's the story of Jesus taking on the humility in the incarnation, becoming a man. The essence of the Christmas story is Jesus looking at you and saying, to live is you. To live is Nathan. To live is Bruce. To live is Chris. To live is Ashley, where Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm gonna give my life for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna become, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put on the flesh of humanity. I'm gonna walk planet Earth. I'm gonna be a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. I'm gonna be beaten. I'm gonna to go to the cross. Why? To live, he did it for you. We sing these songs, let it hit your heart. And you get, you love me, to live with me. And the more you meditate on that, believe that, get kind of lost in that, it is the secret into going, well, if to live was me, then for me to live is you. To live is Christ. No, no, no. To, to, to live is good clothes. No. To live is popular before people that will love you when you do what they like and hate you the moment you're ugly. No. To all of it, ashes. Eternal. Jesus. He says... 
I'll lay my life down for you. I'll go to the cross for you. When I was a kid, we would sing hymns about he would have done it just for me. I want you to just get, I won't sing that song either today, but I want you to just get it. He, I, I, he goes to the cross for you. And if that takes up residency in your heart, if you go, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the beginning of the joy-filled Christian. It's the beginning of the Christian life going, I, I can't explain it. I don't deserve it. But these difficult circumstances will force me to drink from what really feeds my soul. I will drink deep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take in who he is, the abundance of your house, the abundance of your personality, the abundance of your love for me in creation, the abundance of your love for me in sending your son Jesus to die for me, the abundance of Christ inside of me. I mean, Holy Spirit, all these things are not just Christian theology that the preachers talk about. This is, this is who I am for a billion years. Far, far surpasses the joy. And, and when you think about even Paul, think about his circumstance. Even his friends, we don't know. He writes to Timothy and says that Demas is, has left him. One that he, first he championed and now a buddy he loves the world and he's, he's gone the other way. Certainly, it's, to live is not friends. Friends come and go. To live is not comfort. Paul's in a prison cell and yet he's, he's so content. He's saying, I'm gonna rejoice. I'm here. I want you to see Jesus today. Christmas. And the root of Christmas joy. And I'm not saying that circumstance gets better. I'm saying that relationship gets deeper and you'll go through whatever you go through. I'll just close with this. Look at how Paul says this. I want to read this though. I've always read this in the New International Version. It came alive to me this week when I read it out of the message. Listen to this. And because I, I, I've, I've, I've prayed the phrase sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And so I was going to conclude with that for you today until I read it. And I love the way that it says it in the message because for me, it's fresh. Listen to Paul. It's basically a testimony where he says, our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our posts, alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times. When we're beaten up, jailed and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clear heads, steady hand, and gentleness, holiness, and honest love. When we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting these things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Welcome to a sermon on joy, everybody. <laughs> what did you hear about today from David? Beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Here's the phrase. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriching many. Having nothing, yet having it all. It's, I've got deep joy 
even in the midst of tears. It's not pie in the sky, dreamy, happy feelings. No, no, no. It's the anchor of my soul. It's a relationship. Good days or bad, I've got joy. Why? I'm drinking. I'm feasting. I'm living in a world of contentment. So you can, that's actually what Paul says. Goes, this, is, this is what he's about to lose his life. And he says, I'm torn between the two. Heaven or stay here? I don't, I'm, I, why? Because he's found his joy in Christ, Christ alone. And so he can rejoice in all suffering, rejoice in all circumstance. I just as your pastor, I want to pray for you that you're able to rejoice in your current circumstance, wherever you're at today. Would you just bow your heads and let me pray for you? Father, I ask Lord Jesus that today, joy, joy would grow. I ask Lord Jesus that each one that's here would drink deep of the river of delights they would delight themselves in the Lord amidst the buffet of potential delights you would be their supreme passion Holy Spirit do this in me do it in us as a church if you're here today and you want to begin a journey with Jesus I want to invite you to just pray this prayer at your seat Father I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life Save me today. I turn your way, not mine. I give you my life. I'll follow you. I want to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.